right. Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us this morning as we come together and worship God. Uh, please stand with me as we'll worship through song. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever the author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the grave shine your light and let the whole world see we're singing for the glory of the risen king jesus shine your light and let the whole world see we're singing for the glory of the risen king savior he can move the mountains my god is mighty to save he is mighty to save forever the author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. The author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the Well, good morning. good morning. It's a nice, beautiful summer day out there, right? 
It's, it's going to be hot today, but we're here. We're going to worship, right? Okay? And we're going we're to spend all of our energy right now. All right? <laughs> as, we, as you make us stand up and sing, right? Yeah. I think he's going to ask you to jump next time. Okay. So, welcome. Welcome online as you join with us. We're, we're glad to be here. We're going to worship. A couple of announcements I need to make. Wednesday, we're back to our prayer and share, 6.30, over in the Activity Center. We'll do that on Wednesday night. Tonight, though... Okay, so don't forget this, and you can join in anytime uh, along the schedule, right? Richard back here, uh, who gave announcements last week, Richard is teaching a class called The Chosen. So if you've watched the show, and it's been out, he's got the video, you guys watch, you guys watch the show, and then you have a discussion about it. So you get to hang out with your friends, talk about the show, and that's at 6 o'clock over in the activity center in the chapel. So the easiest thing for you to do is to park on the bank side of the building, we got another parking lot over there. And then you park over there and you walk right in the door. And when you leave, you're that much closer to Dairy Queen when he's done. Okay? It just kind of works out that way. All right. And then on Thursday morning at 9 o'clock, where's Charlie at? Right? Charlie's back here. Charlie could use your help at the food pantry. All right? Is it this, char- this Thursday? Right? Okay. You want their help? Yeah. Okay. There we go. <laughs> so... We're giving, you know, it's where the, the community comes to get food. And some days they're really, really busy. And so it's, it's shuffling food out to the cars and bagging it all and getting that lined up. And it, it, you're, over, you're over with a little bit after 11. So if you'd like to join that, Charlie's back there. If you have a question, Charlie would be happy to answer that question. If you want to donate food to the food pantry, we don't often say this, but right out here on top of the staircase that goes out to the road on the north side, there's a little basket there, and you can put food there, and we'll make sure that it gets to the food pantry. So if you want to do that at any given time, just drop that food off there, a box of cereal, some canned goods, whatever it might be. If you want to ask Charlie what might be useful, what do they, what do they need the most, and, and know, know what that might be, then you do that. What's that? Soup. Canned soup. Canned soup. I thought he said turnips at first. <laughs> I'm thinking, who wants turnips? Okay. <laughs> Canned soup. All right. That's what happens when my wife tells me you, you, you need your hearing checked out. Okay. <laughs> All right. You guys glad to be here today? I'm glad to be here today. We're going we're gonna to worship. We're going to come back. It's good. Thank you for the week off. And... Uh, and we're back, and so we're looking forward to this. Michael's going to come up here and pray. Uh, excuse Michael, because he actually, as he's, as he's praying for the service and praying for you and everything, he might actually pray for a Cardinals win, because that's where he's going a little bit later. Well, you know what? It is glad to be back. We were, our family was gone last weekend as well, so sorry, Cliff. We missed the same week, but uh, you know what? It's great to look out this morning and just see a large um, group of people here. I know people have been out and about during the summer, but it's, um, it's good to get away, but it's always, get, it's always good to be back here as well. So let's go ahead and uh, bow our, for a word of prayer. Dear Father, just thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together to worship today. And at this time here, not only in our community, we just want to remember the um, the families of the 
that were involved in the shooting here. The, I, I don't necessarily know them, but you do, and we know how that our community can minister to that, those families that have been impacted by this. We just want to continue to be with our church family as we have opportunities that we can minister to those here in our own community. Uh, just be with Pastor Cliff and Adam as they leave in our lead in our service today, that through this that we might be able to have others that can come closer to you. In your name, amen. Please stand with me if you, as you are able, and we will continue to worship through song. Oh 
How great 
and all will see how great, how great is our God. Please be seated. All right. We always move this stuff like I'm going to run over it. Okay? So here we are. We just sang how great is our God. And I want you to think about that as we walk into this. We're going to study the book of Jonah. Uh, we've covered a little bit of Jonah on Sunday morning, but not the whole, the whole book, all four chapters, right? So we're going to cover this, and over the next couple Sundays, we're going to talk about Jonah. Now, here's the question. When you think about Jonah... When the name is mentioned, what comes to mind? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Probably the fish, right? Okay, it's probably the fish. Remember that because we just sang how great is our God. So when we look at Jonah, here's kind of what I want us to do. We're going to have to work really hard because we've been predisposed. Every time Jonah happens, we're thinking of a big fish, Jonah and the fish, right? We're, that's what we're thinking about. We're thinking about the whale, okay, because we call the fish a whale. And the scripture doesn't say, but, but it, you know, that technical guy says, this is a great fish. Doesn't say anything about a whale. And you're like, it's okay, all right? It's a big fish. And that's the only big fish I know about is the big old whale. And so here we are. We're looking at this. But I want you to think about this a little bit harder. We're going we're gonna to try. I'm going to have to try. Because we're going to talk about what God, what we see about God in the first chapter of Jonah. So I love this quote. All right, and this quote up here, the story evolves much more than being swallowed by a fish. But that's what we think of, right? That's immediately what we go into. Let's talk a little bit about the story. The story of Jonah is, 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 is called, right? Jonah's called. I mean, when we follow it through, it's an easy story. And it's a great story to tell, right, sitting around. Jonah's called. God wants him to go to Nineveh. And Jonah wants no part in that. So Jonah hops the ship and goes as far as he can to the, you know, God wants him to go to New York City, and he heads to L.A. Okay, that's exactly how this works out. So he heads the opposite direction. God gets hold of him. He ends up in the, he ends up in the belly of a fish, a great fish, swallows him up, right? The whale kind of thing. So that's that story, right? It's a great fishing story. How big was the fish? Big enough for him, right? And so he rides around in the fish for a little bit, three days, and then it spits him out. God doesn't just use Southwest, okay, or Amtrak. He uses fish, right, to get people where he wants them to. And so the fish spits him out, and he says, go to Nineveh. And I guess this time he's figuring, like, well, what's next, okay? <laughs> you know, a big dog? I don't know. Um, so anyway, he goes to Nineveh, and Nineveh repents. Jonah's not happy about it. So that's the story, right? That's the story. But the, the, the compelling part is the part about the fish. Now, there's a lot of questions about Jonah for all the intellectual people. I look at Jonah like it happened. I mean, I know, I don't know if anybody else has been swallowed by fish and spit out three days later, but that's okay. God does incredible things. How great is our God? Right, that, that's what I think of when I think of that. So, so I, want, I want you to know that Jonah is actually a historical figure. He's mentioned in 2 Kings 
chapter 14. He was a prophet during the, time, during the reign of Jeroboam II. So when you're following the history, the timeline of the kingdom, you go through the, the United Kingdom, Saul, David, Solomon, then it splits apart because Rehoboam is not very bright. Rehoboam listens to his young friends, and then the kingdom splits. God intended it. Jeroboam to the north, Rehoboam to the south. We go through. The, the northern kingdom doesn't have any good kings. Jeroboam II ends up as king. This is a time that, that um, Jonah is a prophet. Okay, So he speaks to him. So this is, what, this is the timeline, and if you go into the New Testament, when Jesus himself references Jonah, you remember that storybook, that fairy book tale about Jonah? He didn't reference that. way. He references it as an actual historical event that took place, that he knew about, that he was part of. All right, we're going to see, we're going to see some similarities in there as we walk through this. That's the story. So the other thing about this, you know, when I'm reading about this, and it wanted to when we look at Jonah, Jonah's a prophet. We have, we have, um, we have Isaiah, we have Jeremiah, we have Ezekiel, we have Daniel. Uh, all of those, those accounts of the, the prophets, Obadiah, etc. Jonah is unique because rather than being a collection of his messages, his message in the book is what? Repent. 40 days, and, it, and it's, it's one of my favorite, you know, things to picture as, as a preacher, right? I get up here and deliver. He walked through the city with his head down, hoping nobody would hear, okay? Mm, repent, you know, and because and, and, he doesn't want to happen, but they do happen. So, so it's a unique account. Rather than a collection of messages that he delivered, it's an account of his experiences and the reactions and in essence, that becomes the message. And that's why we get so tied up in the fish. Because it's one of the experiences and his reaction, and that why, that's why he got there. Okay, So that's part of the reason why it's the message. When we look at the other ones, it's generally, we'll see what happens in Jeremiah's life, what happens in Daniel's life, what happens in Ezekiel's life. But that's not the, 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 the thrust of it is the messages that God gave to them. Thus says the word of the Lord, and they would deliver that to the people in hopes that they would repent. Here we see what God does, and then we see the reaction, and that, that play becomes essentially the message. So, here's a little thing. On Sunday morning, before you all, before he starts, before Adam gets up there and tells us it's time to sing, okay, if you're close enough to the speakers, you'll hear music playing. You know, it's one of those mood things that we put in here, okay? And, and, and it's, it's music that, that we put in there. And one of those songs, you hear Billy Graham, maybe a couple songs. You hear Billy Graham talking. So if you're close enough, you're hearing, hey, I think that's Billy Graham. And so here's what the quote, and I, I say that so you'll listen to it over the next couple of weeks, but it ties right into the book of Jonah. And it says, Billy Graham says this about Jonah. The book of Jonah says it's the greatest revival, the Bible's greatest revival, the greatest evangelistic campaign in the history of the world took place in Nineveh. And he says that only as Billy Graham can say it, right? It took place, a city of probably 600,000 people. And the whole city from the king on down they all repented, and God had mercy not only on the king, but on all the people. The people were saved. It's from a, a song that Toby Mack does 
on the Billy Graham collection called My Hope, and it, the song is called Sit on a Hill. So you, got, you kind of get an idea. The, the weight of Jonah and what takes place in these four chapters has an impact on all of us. Has an impact on all of us. So let's read the first, we're going to just read the first chapter. This is where Jonah gets a call, Jonah runs, and Jonah ends up at the end. I'll spoil it, plot spoil. He ends up in the fish. Okay, in the, in the last verse, and we're, that's where we're going to stop at. So I'm going to be reading out a New American Standard. It's up on the screen. If you're online, it's down here at my left. And so here we go. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship that was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors they became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lot, so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and from what people are you? He said that I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the man became extremely frightened, and they said to him, How could you do this? For the man knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. However, the man rode desperately returned to the land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord, and he said, we, they called on the Lord and, he, and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the man feared the Lord greatly, and he offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Okay, three days and three nights. Let's start off here in the very first verse of the first chapter. It's God calls. Okay, God called Jonah. God called Jonah. Uh, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. 
Matter of fact, when you read back through with my software, I punch in the Word of God, put it in little quotes there, and I look at the prophets. And that's the same way that God deals with Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Hosea and Micah. And I may have missed some, but the idea is this, right? When God speaks, when God calls, it's the Word of the Lord came to Jonah came to these other guys too, these other great prophets. God had a plan for that. Matter of fact, as we read through this first, this first verse, these first couple of verses, God, had a, God called him, and he had a very specific task in mind, a very specific task in mind. He sent him to cry against Nineveh, to cry against Nineveh. Now, why is this? And we'll talk a little bit about what that means, to cry against Nineveh. So, God was aware of the wickedness of the people of Nineveh, the Assyrian Empire. It's not yet taken the northern kingdom, but it's, it's, it's on the rise. And there's a little bit of uh, history to go around that. But anyway, God is aware of the wickedness. They're very pagan people. They are the people that, that God needs to change. They are the people that God raised up, the nation of Israel, so they would be a light to the world and show them who the true God is. And so he's aware of their wickedness, and he, he raises, he, he calls Jonah to go cry before them. And that means he wants them to, to, to denounce their wickedness, to address that. You know how sometimes, sometimes we're doing something wrong, we don't know we're doing something wrong? I mean, you know, it, it doesn't have to be sin. It could be how you're making something. Right? Hey, this is the way you need to do that. That's the, that's the wrong way to do it. But anyway, we've been there, right? Where we're unaware that we're in the wrong. We're unaware that we're doing something wrong. And we may be unaware of some of our sin. And so these people are unaware of their sin. So he needs to send Jonah there to make them aware of their sin. Hey, I want to tell you that this is wrong. And the desire is not this, so he can gloat over the, the, the wrong that they're doing. The desire is that God seeks out their repentance so that they might change their way. When God sends somebody or something or a verse of Scripture in your life that points out the wrong in your life, what's God want you to do? He doesn't want you to, does He want you to keep, keep on doing that? Does He want you to ignore Him? He wants you to repent, doesn't He? Because he desires that you would have life. And following him is life. And so he, he sends Jonah so they might be aware of the sin, so that they might do what? So that they might repent. I love this quote. I didn't put it up here. We'll eventually work it in here. But John, it said, in my Old Testament survey book, it says, John 3.16 starts here. For God so loved the world. And guess what? That's Nineveh. That's the people of Nineveh. For God so loved the world that he raises up Jonah. God designed. Who are these people in Nineveh? They are God's creation. They're not walking anywhere near to God. They're not worshiping God. God wants them to repent. And so he calls Jonah to do that. He calls him to raise him up and go and do that. Now, as we are aware... Jonah's not on the same page as God. Jonah isn't all loving on the people of Nineveh. And that's where the story changes because now the reaction to that call is that he gets in a boat. He didn't care where, he just, I need a boat to the farthest end of the world. And so that's what he jumps onto. 
So when he's on the boat, again, I want us to focus on God. God called. What's the next action that God does in the first chapter? Well, now that Jonah's on a boat heading the wrong direction, God hurled a wind on the sea. And the sea, the boat begins to, well, it wasn't, it wasn't like they had planned. I mean, it becomes, it's not just a normal storm that we can sail through. This is one of those things that we can deal with. Uh, this was kind of expected, hey, uh, just buckle your seatbelt. We're going to experience choppy waters for the next 15 minutes. It's not that kind of thing. As a matter of fact, as we read through that, they become these guys whose living it is to be on the sea are alarmed. And they, they're crying out to their God. They're throwing things overboard. They're trying to row. All of those things are taking place because God has hurled a wind at the sea. Now, Jonah, why is he on the ship? Because he's fleeing the presence of the Lord. Now, he's a prophet of the, the only God. He knows that God created the land and the sea. He tells them that. But yet God had, or excuse me, Jonah had bought in, I think, to the idea that, that gods were territorial. Because as you see, every one of those guys on the ship must have been from a different place. Because each guy called out to his God. The God of this place, the God of Chicago, the God of Detroit, the God of Cleveland, the God of Pittsburgh, the God of D.C. All that, they call out to their little things. that they, ter- you know, It's like the county sheriff. That's, that's essentially the easiest way for me to put it. In the old movies, you get to the county line, and then the sheriff stopped chasing you. It doesn't happen that way today. Don't try it, okay? Um, <clears throat> but back then, in the old black and white movies, you get to the county line, and that's the way they looked at God, at God as a temporal God. In other words, God had a territory, and beyond that territory, he didn't have any power. Okay, that's just the way it was. I mean, mutual agreement with the gods that aren't gods, right? But God, when... He jumps on that boat and goes to flee from him. Where is God? Well, he's there, isn't he? He shows up with a big old wind. So God is acting in the story. You can't flee from the presence of the Lord. God was there. God was there. Remember that Jonah said he created the land and the sea? He also controls the land and the sea. He also controls the land and the sea. You know, I I think this is something we need a reminder of. Okay? Marla said this on Wednesday night when we were talking about permitting. But but if you read the headlines lately, all these weather phenomena, who's responsible for it? You guys are because you all drove here today. If you'd have walked, we wouldn't have this heat, okay? Just, just going there, all right? So, so he, and I say that to say this, because in our world, it's always been this way. We like to take God out of the equation and put ourselves in the driver's seat. I want to remind you as we look into the book of Jonah that God controls the land and the sea and everything else. God just didn't let it go, and we're not in control of it. We contribute to it. Our sins contribute to it, not just driving, but our our sins contribute to that. So we need to keep that in mind as we read those headlines. Where is God at in the equation of things? Because if I go back to the book of Jonah, which is a true story, 
And I see that God can raise the winds up, and we're going to read in a minute where God can stop the wind, that God is still in control of everything that comes across the ocean. God is in control of every storm front that comes across our nation. Understand that. He, he sets the thermostat. And maybe it's less about our cars and more about how we live. So those are the kind of things that we need to be reminded of as we look into the book of Jonah. Is that God, as we look at this and we look at what God's doing here, a little less at what Jonah's doing, but a little bit more at what God's doing, is that God is in control of the land and sea. He not only created it, he didn't just create it and then die and, hang it on the, and it's hanging on the wall in a museum. God created it and he still controls it. He still controls it. So as we move through the story, what's the next action that God takes? God called. God hurled the, sea, the wind on the, on the sea to get Jonah's attention. He, not only did he get Jonah's attention, but he got everybody else's on the ship's attention. All these other pagan people who are much like the people of Nineveh, they don't worship God. They worship something else, as was evidenced by the fact that they all cried out to their own God, and then they cast lots of sea. Whose God was responsible for this? What have you done? What do we need to do? Etc. Those people, they wanted to save their life. They didn't necessarily want to take Jonas. And they prayed. They prayed. They talked to God. They didn't know God. But yet now they understood that Jonas' God was the one they needed to talk to. So they talked to God. They prayed, even without knowing everything about him. And the sea, what did God do? The sea stopped its raging. God did that. And God did that. Do you remember when, when we talked about Jesus referring to the story of Jonah? Jesus did the story of Jonah. If you remember back in Mark chapter 4, 39th verse, we're going we're to talk a little bit about that. But they were on the, the Sea of Galilee, and a storm came up. And what was Jesus doing? He was doing a little Jonah thing. He was asleep down there. They woke him up. He got up, and what happened? The wind and the waves stopped. And they said, the disciples all looked at one another like, they thought they were going to die, and all of a sudden it's like, sea glass. Who is this? That, can, that even the wind and the, and the sea obey him. You see, that's what happened. When God shows up, God has control of the wind and the sea. He did it in the time of Jonah. He did it in the time of Jesus, and he still does. Okay, that's what I learned about this. How great is our God? Because he has that all in control. The sea stopped its raging. God listened. He listened when these guys, it was a, you know, we, we use this term, the foxhole religion, right? Well, all of a sudden, we're, 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 I'll do anything. God, just get me out of here. And that's where they're at. I mean, that's where they're at. They're, they're, they're on the sea. They know the boat's about to break up, and if it breaks up, they're done. They're toast. Uh, they're fish food. And so they prayed, and God listened. Not only did God listen, I, you know, every once in a while you guys ask me things, and I can listen to your requests, but there's often times I can't do anything to fix it. 
God listened, and God had the power to answer, and God did, and the sea became calm. The sea became calm. How did they, let me ask you this question. When God shows up in your life and takes away whatever was frightening you, whatever was worrisome to you, whatever was bothersome to you, the, 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 the thing that was causing you anxiety, how do you respond? They responded by worshiping God. I mean, that's a lesson there. They responded by worshiping God because of what he had done. They, they knew that God had done that. And so they worshiped God. And then, what's the last thing that we see God do in chapter 1? Understand, we're not going to quit, but we're going to stop for today. What did God do? Because here's what we got going on. God calls. Jonah runs. God hurls the storm down. God stops the storm, and then what does God do? He appointed a fish. In other words, God called a fish. God called a fish and said, hey, I want you to swim over here, and I want you to swallow this guy up, but don't eat him. Okay? Don't... Don't digest him. Don't chew him. Just swallow him. Okay? Whose request was harder? Jonah or the fish, right? Yeah. You think about that. Jonah, you may, you, and so, but that's what happens. God is in control of the fish. He not only created the fish, he can communicate with the fish in a way that we only dream of. I can lure a fish over when we were fishing back in the day, um, guy, my Raymond, this guy, my, my, the, my neighbor, his, his dad had a pond. And yeah, we, we could control the catfish with some food. You know, we threw it out and they came over and got it, but we couldn't tell them what to do. God told the fish what to do, and the fish did it. And so that's what God, God controls the creation. God controls the creation. That, he appointed a great fish to come and swallow him up. It's an incredible story. An incredible story where we get caught up, rightfully so, in Jonah in the fish, right? Because right now we're picturing what's the inside of a fish look like. Okay? Um, you know, what amenities does the inside of a fish's mouth have, Right? Uh, anyway, is there a mirror in there so you can see how you're doing? You know, what is there, is there, yeah, what, you know, that's the problem, right? But how do you live inside of a fish's mouth? I don't know. I'm not planning on doing it. Okay? Jonah wasn't planning on doing it, but God had a plan for Jonah, so he put him in a fish's mouth. And he lived, he was there for three days and three nights. Really. I can't explain a lot of things about what God does. How did he calm the sea? How did he hurl the storm? All of those things. How did he communicate with Jonah? It was evidently clear because Jonah knew to run. So God does all these things. And, and that same God that we just read about in chapter 1 
is the same God that's dealing with me and dealing with you. God has us here for a purpose. There are plenty of places in this world that look a little bit like Nineveh. And, and we're not really hip on taking the word down there. It may not have crossed your mind, but it crossed my mind this past week when we had the murder take place in town. They caught the guy. The guy is in jail someplace. I don't know the particular place. I don't know if he's in the county jail, city jail, where he's at, or someplace else. But I do know this. That one of us, one of the pastors here in town, will be down at the jail, the county jail, on Tuesday night. And we'll have Bible study for an hour or so with whoever they give us. And that gentleman that was arrested, and you're probably not referring to him as a gentleman, but there's a chance that he could be the Ninevite sitting at the table with one of us. God calls and sends us because God desires repentance. God desires that we change our way of life, and sometimes we don't get to pick and choose who that is. All we get to do, that's why Jonah ran, because he didn't want these people anywhere near him. But God called, and we're going to see what happens in the rest of the story. I've kind of already told it, but we're going to read more of the details. What do we walk away with from the first chapter? Since that's where we're going to stop. What are my action steps? What do I want to go out and do and think about in this next week concerning this passage of Scripture? So, I'm going to ask you this question. What task has God given you? I mean, God, God doesn't have any use for you? I don't think that's the case. God has given you a task. God has given you a people to reach out to. I don't know who that is. It's probably not a whole city, although it could be. But it could be an individual, could be a family member, could be a friend, could be a neighbor, could be somebody at work, whatever it is. What task has God given you? And I want you to think about this. Because we've done this, all right, who has never declined God's invitation to go do something? Go ahead, raise your hand. Okay. We're all guilty of being a little bit of Jonah. God asks us to do something, and we do what? We may not run, but we have a litany of things that we've got to do before we get to it. I'm getting, I'm getting around to it. Or really, God, I can't, you know, we go back to the Moses thing, I can't do that. When we have declined, what has God used to grab your attention? It may not have been a storm on the lake. But God has used something or somebody in your life to redirect you, to direct you back to where he sent you. That's what God's doing. So when we think about how great is our God, God 
has the ability not only to call us and to equip us for what we're doing. He didn't ask Jonah to do that. He didn't say go and get the results. He just said go. That's all God is calling us to do is go with the gospel. Go with the message. Go with the encouragement. Whatever it is that God is asking us to do to step into somebody else's life, we need to respond to that. And sometimes we just honestly don't respond. And then God will do this thing. He'll work in our life to redirect us, to point us back. It's kind of like that tug on the shirt. Hey, I said this way. Okay, how do we respond to that? Because what we want to do is not keep walking away. God has a plan. And God's plan will bring glory and honor to him. And that's what we were created for. Let's get that right. So those are the actions. Those are the things that I want us to think about this week. So today, you're here. I don't know your spiritual condition. I don't know what, what, you know, what God calling you to do. I don't even know if you belong to God. In other words, have you repented? God is sending Jonah to Nineveh so they can hear essentially what we'd call the gospel. So that they can repent of their sins. So that they can ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. That's what I'm asking today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm asking you to do that today. I'm going to give you that opportunity. We're going to, Adam's going to come up here and lead us in some music. And while we're all standing, if you, want, if you need to do that, God is impressing upon your heart, don't run. Don't run away. You can run down here. You can walk down here, move down here, or reach the person next to you and say, I, I need Jesus. Okay, because that's my greatest desire, is that all of you are ready when that day comes. All right, so that's what I'm asking. The second thing, if you want to come and pray, maybe, maybe your Nineveh is, is being neglected because you're failing to go. I want to ask you to come and pray. Maybe you have some other decision that you need to make. Maybe God's called you to be a missionary. Maybe God's called you to be a Jonah and go permanently or, or for a long time to Asia or Africa or Europe or or Chicago, okay? So God may be calling you to do that. I want to invite you to seek out what God is doing in your life and to answer. That's what we're, this is response time. That's why we sing here. It's not just, it's not time for you. It's not the rolling credits so you can pack up your stuff and head home. It's time for you to respond to what God's been speaking to you not only today, but throughout this week. Let's stand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, 
my anchor holds within the veil. My anchor holds within the veil. Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong in the Savior's love. shall come with trumpet sound oh may I then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone faultless stand before the throne Christ alone stone weak made strong in the Savior's love through the storm he is Lord Lord of all Christ alone cornerstone weak made strong Father, we thank you that through the storm, the storms of our life, that you are Lord of all. Father, I pray that we might put our trust and our faith in you as we walk through today, as we walk through this week. Father, help us to know where to serve, where you want us to go, and Father, help us to go. Father, to bring honor and glory to your name. Father, to tell people of their sin. But Father, tell them of the good news of Jesus' death and what that means to them. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you guys. Here's the Have You Read Scripture readings. Uh, if you'll look at that, we finish up Matthew, and then we'll start Luke next week. We're running through the gospel, so I encourage you to read those. And back tonight for The Chosen over in the other building. Wednesday night for the prayer and share. Thursday morning for the food pantry. Those are your opportunities that God has given you to, to work with Emmanuel Baptist Church. And... God also has an individual task for you this, this week. So thank you. You can go home.